Chapter 4 I found him sitting on a rock, devouring a bag of honeyed sweet potatoes. My bag of sweet potatoes. Its scent wafted into the air, sharpening the hunger in my belly and the anger rising in my fists. I meant to accuse him of thievery, to sling a hundred different insults, and curse him to the bottom of Mount Nagawee. But as soon as I saw him up close, different words came out of my mouth. Aren't you a little too old to be wearing a mask? He didn't look surprised that I'd follow him. Or angry, instead of familiar grins slid across his mouth. I couldn't place where, I, where I'd seen it before. What is that? He rasped, pointing at the wooden bowl under my arm. Rice cakes. He took off his mask and reached for them. Delicious, he said, crunching on the snack. If not for the vibrant band of red around his pupils, so familiar yet so strange, I would have knocked the bowl out of his bands, but startled I let go. Don't eat them all. Too late. Gone was the last sweet potato and rice cake, too. I put my hands on my hips and flashed the boy my most irritated scowl. What? He gave a half shrug. Swimming all this way makes me hungry. I was still staring at him at the thick stripes of green whisked about his temples. It was a color I'd never seen before on anyone, even the pale-haired merchants who came from the far west. His skin had little warmth to it, but there was a pearlescent sheen. I couldn't decide whether he looked bizarre or beautiful or dangerous. Maybe all three. You're, you're the dragon from the other day in the lake. He grinned, so you do have a brain. I was wondering after you fell into the lake. I met his grin with a glare. I didn't fall into the lake. I dove into it. All for that bird, I recall. That enchanted bird. Remembering Kiki sank my spirits, I dusted the crumbs off my sleeves and began to turn away from the lake. Where are you going? Back to the festival. My brothers will be missing me. He was at my side in an instant, his fingers catching my sleeve and pulling me down to sip. So soon, he clicked his tongue. I found your bird for you and saved you from drowning. Don't you think you owe me some thanks? Stay a while. Entertain me. Entertain you? I repeated. There's a whole festival back there. It's all human games. Nothing of interest to me. You're not even a dragon right now. He wasn't. In his current form, he was a boy. A young man. Not much older than I. But with green hair and ruby eyes and sharp claw-like fingernails. How are you, human? All dragons can do it, he replied, his grin widening. I haven't practiced shifting into human form much until now. He blew at his bangs. Always thought humans were boring. I crossed my arms. I always thought dragons were majestic and grand. You were hardly larger than an eel. An eel, he repeated. I thought I'd made him angry, but he burst out laughing. That's because I haven't grown into my full form yet. When I do, you will be impressed. When do you reach your full form, I asked, unable to contain my curiosity. All I knew of dragons was from legends and stories, and those, those told little about dragon adolescence. Very soon, I'd say in a human year, two at most. That isn't very long at all, I sniffed. I can't imagine you growing that much in a year. Oh, let's make a wager then, I leaned forward. My brothers loved making bets with each other, but they never let me join. What wager? Dragons aren't known for keeping their word. We always keep our word, he retorted. That's why it's so rarely given. I give him a pointed look. What are you proposing? If I win, you invite me to your palace and cook a banquet in my honor. I expect a thousand dishes, no less, and all the most important lords and ladies to be in attendance. I only know how to cook one dish, I admitted. You've a year to learn more. I made no promise. If I win, you take me to your palace and throw a banquet in my honor. Same rules. His grin faded and he swept a hand through his long green hair. I don't know if Grandfather would approve of that. It's only fair. Do you think my father would approve of bring me bringing a dragon boy to dinner? Approve? He should be honored. Honored? I drew a sharp breath. No one speaks about the emperor that way. It's true, said the dragon with a shrug. Humans revere dragons, but it's not the same the other way around. It'd be like, I brought a pig to dinner. A pig? 
I shot up to my feet. I'm not a pig. He laughed. All right, all right, calm down, Chiori. It's a deal. He pulled on my arm until I sat again. And this is Kiata, not Alandi. My father would not revere a dragon. <clears throat> I huffed. He despises magic. I stopped mid-sentence. How did you know my name? That boy at the festival said it right before I tripped him. That was my brother. Yes, and he seemed like a spoiled sport. Aren't you glad you chased after me instead? I glared at him. Tell me your name. The dragon smiled, showing his pointed teeth. I am Saryu, prince of the easterly seas and most favored grandson of the dragon king, Nazayun, ruler of the four seas and heavenly waters. I rolled my eyes at how conceited he sounded. Two could play at that game. Shiori Anma, I said haughtily, though he already knew it, first daughter of Emperor Hanryu and most favored princess of Kiata, kingdom of the nine eternal courts and the holy mountains of fortitude. Saryu looked amused. So your father despises magic, eh? What will he think of you? I shifted sideways, uncomfortable. What about me? I I have no magic. There is no magic in Kiata. Magic is rare in Kiata, Saryu corrected, except for gods and dragons, of course. Oh, its sources may be dried up, but it's an element natural to the world, and even the gods can't erase every trace. That's why once in a rare moon, a Kiata is born able, born able to wield what is left, a human like you. Don't deny it. I saw that paper bird of yours. I swallowed hard. Kiki is gone. My stepmother destroyed her. Saryu gestured at the pocket where I kept Kiki's pieces. You can bring her back. He stated it so matter-of-factly, the way I'd tell a cook that his shrimps were perfectly fried or his yams were well-baked. That I blinked. My lips parted with surprise. I can? No, no. I shook my head. I'm done with magic. What? Don't you want to become an all-powerful enchanter? He lowered his voice. Or are you afraid your powers will corrupt you and turn you into a demon? No, I retorted. I sighed, reciting. Without magic, Kiata is safe. Without magic, there are no demons. You do know what's in the holy mountains of fortitude, don't you? Of course I do. The mountains were right behind the palace. I saw them every day. Thousands and thousands of demons, Saryu replied conspiratorially. And all the magic that your gods asked us dragons to help them seal up. Your emperor should revere the beings who helped make his kingdom safe, who keep his kingdom safe. The gods and the sentinels keep Kiata safe, I said. Dragons are too busy gambling and hoarding their pearls. Saryu cackled. Is that what they tell you now? Don't teach a dragon history, princess, especially not magic history. Don't teach a human about our gods, I countered. Are you even supposed to be here? The gods promised to keep a heaven, keep to heaven after they took magic away from Kiata. Don't the dragons say they'd keep to their lakes? Sea, Saryu corrected. We live in the Taijin Sea, in a glittering realm of shell and precious coral, not some muddy lake. And dragons are not subject to the gods' rule. We never have been. Then why have your kind disappeared for so many years? Because your realm is born, my grandfather's palace alone would dazzle you out of your wits. I doubt that. If I said dryly, a thick eyebrow flitted up. The only way you'll find out is if you win our wager. If I won, you'd find some way to trick me into staying in your glittering realm for a hundred years. There's a reason you dragons have a reputation. As Sarah, you grinned, not denying any accusations. I turned on my heel to leave. Find some other fool to wager with you. That fool isn't me. What about your magic? It's a rare gift, rarer still in Kiata. You should learn to use it. And end up banished in the, to the holy mountains, I snapped, spinning to face him. Demons take me. I'd, I'd rather sew all day. Stop following me. You're only saying that, said Saryu. If you were really going back to the festival, you'd be running. You want to learn, he paused. I'll show you how to resurrect your friend Kiki. Wouldn't you like that? My defenses crumbled. I did want to bring Kiki back. And I did yearn to learn messages more about magic. After all, if it had been absent from Kiata for so many years, 
There had to be a reason I'd been born with it, hadn't there? The gods took magic away because it is dangerous, I reminded myself. But the demons are rarely trapped in the mountains. And all I want is to learn how to get Kiki back. What harm could it bring? The future flashed before me, and I saw myself trapped in Castle Bushian, married to a faceless lord, and confined to a room where I sewed and sewed until the end of my days. If it was a choice between that and demons taking me, I'd choose the demons. Besides, how often does one get to learn sorcery from a dragon? I knew if I didn't take this chance, I would regret it forever. Sarah Yu was still waiting, but before I could reply, a fleet of kites soared into the air. I was missing the kite-flying ceremony. Demons of Tambu, I cursed. My brothers are going to be so angry with me. And father, nothing you can do about it now, said the dragon. You might as well enjoy the view. Tempting, but I shook my head. I've already gotten into enough trouble as it is. I started to go, then hesitated. One lesson, I said. That's all. The dragon's smile widened, revealing his sharp, pointed teeth. The look was not quite as feral as a wolf's, but it was enough to remind me that he wasn't human, no matter how much like a boy he looked. Here's a lesson for you before you go, Sir. You took the wooden bowl and spun it around on his finger. Walnut wood has magical properties, did you know? I confess I didn't. One of the little traces your gods left behind, he said smugly. Put something enchanted inside, and the walnut will conceal the object from prying eyes. It'll even contain the magic. What good is that, I asked. The bowl is barely larger than my head. When it comes to magic, size matters little. As a de demonstration, he winked, and a flock of birds made entirely of water shot forth from the bowl and flew over the lake. At their highest point, they burst and evaporated in a puff of mist. Might be useful for hiding future hordes of paper cranes. I was about to tell him there were no more future cranes when Sarah Yu continued. Fold one when you're ready, and then send it into the wind. I'll know to wait for you here at this lake. He turned the bowl upside down on the ground, marking the spot where we'd met today so neither of us would forget it. One last thing, Shiori. What is it? Next time, bring more rice cakes. One lesson quickly became two, three, then five. I met Seryu every week, usually in the morning before my embroidery sessions with Ray Kama. Each time, I brought different snacks for us to share, but he always liked the rice cakes best, especially the ones with chunks of peach inside, which were my favorite, too. Today, he had presented me with a bouquet of wilted peonies in return. Are you trying to woo me or insult me? I asked dryly, refusing to take them. You know Kiatans are superstitious about death. A senseless superstition, he dismissed. These are for your lesson. Few can bring paper birds to life. I suspect you have a talent for inspiration. Inspiration? You can imbue things with bits of your soul. It's almost like resurrection, but not quite so powerful. You won't be bringing corpses back to life, or ghosts for that matter. But you could probably get a wooden chair to dance on its legs, or receive a few wilted flowers, if you so de desired. He pressed the peonies into my hand. Go on, try. I can imbue things with bits of my soul, I repeated to myself. What was that even supposed to mean? Bloom, I told the flowers. Nothing happened. The stems crumbled in my palms, dried petals drifting to the ground. Sarah, you chewed on a stalk of grass. Didn't you hear what I said? Inspiration, Shiori. Don't talk to the flowers if you're an undertaker. Think of something happy, like chasing after whales or winning an argument against a tortoise. We clearly had different ideas of happiness. Feeling silly, I searched my memories, skimming over sugared animals and kites, paper birds and snow-dusted cranes before landing on my favorite memory, cooking with my mother. I used to sit on her lap in the kitchen and listen to her sing, her throat humming against the back of my head as we peeled oranges together and mashed soft red beans into a paste for dessert. Find the light that makes your lantern shine, she used to say. Hold on to it, even when the dark surrounds you. Not even the strongest wind will blow out your fame. Bloom, I said again. Slowly before my eyes, the wilted peonies trembled with a raw, silvery gold light. 
Then crisp new leaves sprouted from the stalk, plump and green. The flowers opened, their petals bright as corals. My pulse thundered in my head, adrenaline pumping as if I'd just swum a race across the lake and won. A bit of a cheat, using your voice, but they'll train it out of you if you go to enchanter school. I'm not going to enchanter school, I said, the bitterness of my words surprising even me. How could I go, wondering whether father would actually exile me or have me executed? If he found out of my abilities and had kept me up more nights than I had wished to admit. Then I'll teach you, Sarah, you said. I may only be seventeen dragon years, but I know more than the oldest enchanters in Lorien. Really? I do. He glared at my skepticism. Besides, you wouldn't want to study with an enchanter. They're all fixated on taking the emotion out of magic. They think it corrupts. But you liked how it felt, seeing the flowers come to life, didn't you? Yes. Yes was an understatement. My heart was still pounding in my ears so fast I could hardly hear myself breathe. Should I not have? That depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So you gazed at my peonies, his red eyes unusually pensive. Magic has many threads. The same enchantment cast with joy will have an entirely different result when cast with sorrow or anger or fear. Something to be wary of, especially with powers like yours. Powers like mine, I laughed. Making light of his seriousness, like making dead flowers bloom again and bringing paper birds to life. That's only the, be the beginning. Your magic is wild, Shiori. One day it will be dangerous. Dangerous, I mused. Why, Siri, you, you almost sound as if you're afraid of me. Afraid of you? He scoffed, and with a whoosh of his arm, he summoned a tidal wave so high it dwarfed the trees around us. Then the wave fell, slamming into the lake and drenching my robes. Sir, you, I shrieked. He didn't apologize. You'd do well to remember that I am a dragon and the grandson of a god. He grabbed before leaping back into the lake. I'm not afraid of anything, least of all you. I'm not afraid of anything. How often had I uttered the same words, but they were always a lie, and I had a feeling Sarah you was lying too.